chapters thirty one and thirty two of the measure of a man a tale of the big woods by norman duncan this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty one in his own behalf swamp's end was amazed of course when it all came out but not for long for it seemed to swamp's end after all and to bottle river to the cant hook and to the boys of the yellow-tail too that pale peter's course had been reasonable enough swamp's end observed with solicitous interest the swift conversion of the red elephant into the donald memorial nor was swamp's end cynical in respect to the outcome but rather watched the progress of the affair in curious and hopeful expectancy swamp's end regretted to be sure and conceived it a sinful waste when news of a certain deed in the night went abroad it was held that to broach casks of good liquor to shatter bottles to spill the last drop in the cellar was quite unnecessary to the accomplishment of pale peter's admirable purpose that though good liquor had no proper place within the four walls of the donald memorial there were other ways of disposing of it why waste why not rather celebrate why not call the boys from the woods and initiate the undertaking in the traditional way wouldn't the boys come to be sure the boys would come gladly generously too and john fairmeadow might pray as much as he liked a little conviviality need not interfere with the religious exercises it never had before in these strange circumstances moreover it might help the boys would feel more at home in the new surroundings aside from this small criticism however the project met with the approval of the woods and when the paper-hangers had returned to big rapids and when a carload of new furniture from the east had been installed and when the lamps were lighted once more in the transformed bar and when the warm glow fell again from the red-curtained windows into the night swamp's end met the new proprietor at the threshold and warmly shook his hand and grinned and having inspected the comfortable place heartily reckoned that she'd do by this time however pale peter was gone there had come a blustering night the late eastbound plastered with driven snow puffed into the station and stood still breathing heavily good-bye jack said pale peter peter john fairmeadow earnestly returned won't you stay no need of me old man everything's fixed you're in full and legally determined possession of the old place that's all i care about good-bye peter good-bye won't you stay old man and help oh no no jack i reckon you don't need a man like me and you know jack you have a little partner remaining you'll stand by i know you'll stand by him i'll stand by peter good-bye good-bye old man god bless you so passed pale peter from swamp's end nor was he ever heard of again but the little partner remained the little partner remained in the spirit to bless the woods and to inspire the shepherd of its erring souls there came presently to john fairmeadow busy and distracted a politely phrased and cautious invitation to address the superior body briefly to address the superior body in relation to his ministerial activities in the lumber woods 
john fairmeadow was assured that the superior body was back of him in his labour for the lord that the superior body not only respected but prayed for him that the brethren would be delighted to receive him to listen to him briefly of course and that the brethren would doubtless be pleased to carry to their congregations news of his most interesting and peculiar work to the end that some small sums might be raised to assist it wherefore john fairmeadow was urged to make an impression to hit the bull's-eye now that he had the chance to strike while the iron was hot he was indulgently warned however that the brethren were busy men and he was tipped off in this connection that brevity would be a telling point in his favour it was an earnest interested wholly agreeable letter and john fairmeadow was delighted with it now thought he that's mighty kind in the boys it isn't what i expected to speak to them about but i'll do my best it will be observed that john fairmeadow was flattered flattered to be brought into an accepted relationship with the ordained of his profession and doubtless john fairmeadow having applied his large energy and devotion to the task would have composed a capital address would both have hit the bull's-eye and struck while the iron was hot had not long butcher long one of his parishioners developed delirium tremens at that inopportune moment and needed the closest sort of attention worse than that john fairmeadow was late the superior body was already in session when fairmeadow arrived in the anteroom of the church at the capitol where the superior body was deliberating his big hand was shaken by a diffident white cravatted frock-coated pale-fingered speckled little man the author of the politely phrased letter and welcomed with caution we're mighty glad to have you with us mr fairmeadow said the little gentleman his manner conveying a due sense of the honour the superior body had conferred upon john fairmeadow that's all right old man fairmeadow responded i'm glad too the little gentleman peered at john fairmeadow over his spectacles the superior body is sorry of course said he that the outcome of your examination was uh, unfortunate fairmeadow laughed that's all right old man he replied i'm sorry too so are the boys that's why i am you see mr fairmeadow the little gentleman began to stammer in apology we-we have to-oh don't mention it said fairmeadow the little gentleman was ill at ease if i were you mr fairmeadow he said at last i shouldn't refer to the matter in my address to the brethren why not well you see nothing would be accomplished no fairmeadow inquired amused nothing whatsoever the superior body has made up its mind in certain cases of course ordination is conferred upon men of well of limited theological education but these are extraordinary cases and the superior body in discussing your case has determined mr fairmeadow that your usefulness would not be increased by just so fairmeadow interrupted but the superior body knows nothing about it in point of fact my usefulness would be increased my parishioners want an ordained minister they're quite right too and for that reason i have sought my dear fellow now fairmeadow went on i'd like to tell the boys in there my dear fellow don't think of such a thing take my advice let the matter drop the superior body has had a full and free discussion of the standard of theological training it should demand of all applicants for ordination 
theological training fairmeadow laughed yes of course the little gentleman replied and in your case i'll tell him about mine theological training you've had none oh yes i have old man said fairmeadow confidently and i'm going to tell the boys in there all about it my dear fellow that's all right old man said fairmeadow positively but by jove i will when the chairman's attention was at last distracted from the discussion under way for john fairmeadow's introduction he managed to shake hands in a quick soft way and to whisper glad you've come very busy just now be seated somewhere i'll call on you in due course then he returned on tiptoe to his little table and once more smilingly faced the busy meeting of the black-coated brethren john fairmeadow sat down to wait to look and to listen and to marvel the debate was prolonged and somewhat acrimonious i have forgotten what it concerned it was a point of order perhaps or it may have been the congregational squabble at brown's corners i have forgotten perhaps it was the progress of missions among the mohammedans of southern arabia this does not matter however it was prolonged at any rate and it was slightly acrimonious so that the chairman must keep a tight rein on the brethren who were used at such times being one family to loose themselves somewhat from restraint there were retort and rejoinder in plenty some of it keen-edged and there was a good deal of laughter too john fairmeadow fidgeted in his pew time was passing his train was due to leave within the hour and long butcher long now reposing in the care of plain tom hitch in the glorified snake-room of the donald memorial at swamp's end would need john fairmeadow's more knowing and more powerful attentions that night so fairmeadow stared and listened impatiently and fidgeted in his pew and wondered how much time a gathering of ordained ministers might waste with an easy conscience and speculated upon the condition of all the parishioners who went lacking a shepherd in the meantime and heartily wished they'd get through at last they did of course and the bewildered fairmeadow wondered what the outcome of the discussion had been it was not surprising for the matter had gone over in the midst of his effort to solve the riddle fairmeadow heard the smiling chairman say a few words from brother fairmeadow reports of whose work among the degraded lumberjacks of our state have interested us so much and who will briefly address us fairmeadow rose looked composedly around put his hands in his pockets squared his shoulders and audibly sighed nobody knows why he sighed i fancy that fairmeadow himself had no idea at the time but the sigh was so deep and frank you may believe that it was quite sufficient to procure attention and a curious silence in the church there had been a good deal of talk about fairmeadow from many sources the brethren had learned a good deal about him there had been a good deal of laughter too the examining committee had not failed to tell picturesque tales in the most humorous fashion in the world about the experience with billy the beast at swamp's end the superior body had laughed heartily at the leisure moments of the last session and the congregations beyond for the story was far too good to keep embellished as it had been by the ingenuity of the examining committee had echoed the laughter of the brethren and fairmeadow now standing gravely before them all 
clad in the lumber-woods way still in mackinaw and heavy boots was a figure good to look upon if only on account of the admirable contrast he presented a clean true man at work hard at work in the world a big broad-shouldered deep-chested long-legged body evidently with a soul to match its excellencies and with a glowing heart and a purpose lifted high no wonder the brethren attended it was an occurrence out of the ordinary quite out of the ordinary believe me and while the big man in the mackinaw looked gravely round about upon them all seeming to pause to look into the eyes of each the brethren settled themselves to listen stirred by an agreeable little thrill of impending excitement the chairman repeated absently will briefly address us boys fairmeadow began genially in his big warm way i'm almighty sorry i can't stay very long with you a little laughter was provoked you see boys fairmeadow went on ingenuously i'm a busy man and i've got to get back on the job by the six forty three otherwise i'd be glad to talk to you all night somebody called talk as long as you like thanks old man fairmeadow replied i'd like to really i would but go on go on fairmeadow nodded and smiled his acknowledgment of this genuine interest what i want to talk to you about he began is something you've been a good deal bothered about and that's my ordination the brother said the chairman promptly is out of order that's all right old man fairmeadow began smiling but you see there were loud cries of let him go on go on brother the chairman vowed acquiescence the wish of the brethren was evidently unanimous and far too fervent to be opposed thanks boys fairmeadow responded quietly that's just what i mean to do there was a round of applause fairmeadow began at the beginning boys said he so gravely that his deep voice thrilled the hearts of every man among them i am a redeemed drunkard in this is my call and education and therein resides my right to ordination after that the silence was not once broken the good brethren sitting in the presence of a man who had suffered the fires of unrighteousness listened enthralled to the story of those other days there was not a whisper not a movement it was all frankly told the tale of the bowery saloon of the park benches of begging and filth and shivering nights of hopelessness and of helpless uttermost degradation and at last boys fairmeadow proceeded i was kicked out of solomon's cellar and had no place to go and i got up from a bench in mulberry park boys and was advised by two friendly fellows to go down to jerry mccauley's mission in water street go down there they said and god will help you it was raining it was a cold wet night in the fall of the year i was sick and cold and on the verge of delirium tremens and i needed a drink i desperately needed a drink they told me the way i suppose i have forgotten and i forget all that happened until i found myself at the door of the mission in water street with a definite idea that i had come for a bed ticket i had not come for religious consolation you may be sure not for spiritual grace i had come for what i could get out of it and for what a sick drunkard needed a bed ticket they were singing it chanced that they were singing a hymn my mother used to sing when i was a boy at home i sat down obscurely i was drunk it may be that i had a drink on the way to water street perhaps too i do not know 
but i was drunk and i reasoned benighted reason that if i were to get my ticket i must behave myself before all these pious folk they were singing rock of ages cleft for me let me hide myself in thee and it seemed to me that i could hear my mother's voice that i could see her face that she was living again that i was at home again a boy you understand you know the vision that might come to such a man as i then presently they sang again it chanced shall i say chanced that my mother used to sing that simple hymn too when i was a boy at home it was jesus lover of my soul let me to thy bosom fly and i was overcome i had loved my mother i had wronged her of course but i had never ceased to love her never failed in all those degraded years to cherish her memory i had loved her i drank her to death god knows it but i had loved her god knows loved her every hour fairmeadow paused while they sang these simple hymns he went on presently resuming memory of my mother stirred within me memory of her of home of trees and lawn of the touch of her hand her prayers her kisses of myself as a lad of the old aspirations of baseball of my bedroom the little things of home and childhood and of a man's mother her voice and hands and eyes you know don't you every man surely understands the brethren understood i had not thought much of such things for a long time perhaps fairmeadow continued i had been concerned with the pursuit of another drink perhaps the old hymns these awakened memories exhibited my degradation with conviction to my own soul i don't know but when one of the brothers testified i listened i believed him it seemed to me that he was telling the story of my life and wretchedness not of another's not of his life any more than of mine i believed him it was true i knew that every word was true i knew knew intimately the back room of the bowery saloon from which he had been ejected others testified to redemption through jesus christ to salvation from themselves and every power of evil and i knew that they did not lie some gave thanks for a day's preservation some for the ease of a week some for years of joyous useful life what they had been was what i was i knew it what they had become i could see with my own eyes they were clean they were not in rags they had no thirst they were men of joy to themselves of value to the world and they had no consciousness of guilt they had peace and i i was still a drunken outcast a sinner in rags dirty drunk shirtless ill but they had been what i was they had not lied when they said so there was hope then for me you see these men were the living evidence of that hope and i learned the way of salvation again a pause the chairman leaned forward a little all the brethren leaned forward as the climax of this indubitable experience of the soul approached some one asked me if i would not give god a chance in my life a clean strong kindly man who had been what i was and whom i knew to have been what i was did i not care to give god a chance to restore me would i not try it would i not be prayed for would i not pray for myself 
i was drunk still drunk but i was resolved i was down and out i had nothing left and i went forward to get what these men had what my soul desired redemption it was a logical determination the evidence of god's activity in the world of his power and wish to regenerate had been so convincingly exhibited that no rational intelligence could endure to doubt it and i was in a position to know the depths from which these men had been lifted and i knew that only the power and love of almighty god could so lift them up and i got up from my knees a new man a new creature in christ jesus i had been born again it is not a cant phrase i used to think so but now i know i know it isn't there are no other words so accurately to describe the change which had occurred within me no other words to describe the completeness of it the newness of the life into which i had come a child in righteous ways i was regenerated i had been born again i was sober and from that moment i have never wanted alcohol a miracle as truly a miracle as any healing ever was and in every essential a miracle i have not wanted a drink do you apprehend the stupendous change which had occurred within me i have not wanted a drink since that time i did want a bath instantly but i was too dirty to be given one without precautions and i wanted a clean shirt i loathed my rags my dirty person i wanted to be clean how i craved a bath and pride at once revived the good pride of manhood one of the brothers we redeemed drunkards are all brothers offered me five cents i rejected it and with hurt pride i was no beggar i was a man again a gentleman what did i want of charity what did i want of a nickel i hadn't earned i wanted work first i wanted sleep i desperately needed a bed and then i wanted a bath and a job i had my bath in the morning what a gracious gift it was and i got my job too and i got my clean shirt the crisis was past there was a ripple of nervous laughter among the brethren which was instantly stilled as fairmeadow proceeded but i lay that night in a bowery lodging-house he went on it was a heaven of rest and ease and quiet and seclusion after solomon's cellar i was too dirty to be put in the long room with the decent bowery rowdies and drunks i was given a bunk in a section reserved for the worst of us i was very low you see but i was too weak to crawl into bed they must lift me in i did not sleep i lay awake all that night in tears and prayer and joyous aspiration my tears were of contrition my prayers were of rejoicing of incoherent unutterable gratitude my aspiration was towards work and service and self-respect and the love of all men a wonderful night a night in which those things which i had once cherished but had long abandoned were restored to me hope truth love pure ambition the things of st paul whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise 
it seems to me now that in that night i travelled back over the long way i had come that i was once more in the company of the pure things of my boyhood i was a new creature you see in christ jesus and in the morning i stumbled rejoicing to the labour of a new day in a new life and i was sober and i was not at all afraid it was the end now boys fairmeadow gravely added you know why i am here you know the meaning of such a life as mine know its significance in a world of men you know what my work is too and whether or not i am called of god to do it and whether or not i am an instrument well chosen to serve god's purposes in these woods he sat down brethren said the chairman reverently let us pray after that they ordained john fairmeadow on the spot and fairmeadow when he got back to swamp's end had much ado to keep the boys from celebrating the event according to the customs established chapter thirty two love and labor it was spring again at swamp's end the snow was gone the trails were dry and greening balmy winds came over the illimitable forest from the west all the busy little persons of the woods began to chirp and twitter in vast excitement there was the flutter of little wings in the underbrush and there was a noisy chatter in the branches of the big pines changing to crooning sweeter calls at dusk once more of a sunday afternoon patty batch had the baby gray-eyed dimpled little patty batch once more dear little patty batch had the baby at the companionable patch of wild flowers on the edge of the woods a toddler now that adorable little one and quite able too if you will believe it to utter with perfect distinctness the sweetest word in all the world an accomplishment indeed hard to be matched in babies of that tender age it was a gentle day a blue sky with ships of white cloud sailing past high above the forest bound heaven knew where but to some joyous event and hurrying thereto a soft redolent breeze flowed into the clearing where it paused to play with the flowers and sweet grasses and then off it whisked in shadow and sunshine to that self-same joyous distant place to which the great white clouds were going it was a day for dreaming such was the day the sunshine of it the tender wind the new sweet green the amorous twitter and little patty batch was dreaming she plucked flowers for the baby she gave him a garland she crowned him she put a sceptre in his dimpled hand and she was dreaming all the while sadly not at all the mist in her gray eyes which presently gathered and fell in two little tears had no part with melancholy not at all not a bit of it patty batch was very very happy she would have admitted it had you asked her john fairmeadow struck in from the bottle river trail and came smiling broadly to the patch of wild flowers on the edge of the woods hello there patty batch he shouted lo jack where's my tea john fairmeadow demanded scowling tremendously patty batch pursed her lips what it isn't ready not ready john fairmeadow complained with a great air of indignation well well i like your independence when it is time for your tea john fairmeadow said little patty batch in firm reproof you will get your tea and not a minute before what 
john fairmeadow stammered patty batch smiled it was delicious indeed to treat big john fairmeadow in this masterful way the chagrin and astonishment which he was quick to feign were really quite irresistible patty batch smiled she couldn't help it and then she giggled and then she chuckled and then she broke into a ripple of laughter john fairmeadow laughed too a great roar of laughter and the baby of course displaying an amazing perception of the joke chuckled like a cherub than which as everybody knows there is no sweeter chuckle in the heavens above or on the earth beneath what with john fairmeadow's resonant deep bass roar and the baby's heavenly cachination and patty batch's rippling tintinnabulous cadenza you may be sure that a fine chord of glee was struck on that mellow sunday afternoon in grey billy batch's clearing on the bottle river trail beyond swamp's end presently the afternoon was spent the shadows were grown long in the clearing the twitter in the woods had begun to fail the west was flushing patty said john fairmeadow patty batch started the ardent quality of john fairmeadow's voice was such that patience fairmeadow repeated one glance was sufficient for patty batch one glance into john fairmeadow's eyes was enough to startle the little thing quite out of her wits it's time for tea said she hastily her lisp overcoming her not yet yes yes not yet fairmeadow repeated not until i yes yes patty gasped big john fairmeadow had a sense of helplessness to which he was not at all used and still continuing in this strange paralysis he watched and listened without lifting a finger to help himself while patty batch snatched the baby from his bed of flowers protesting all the time that it was time for tea that it was long past time for tea indeed that there wouldn't be any tea at all if she didn't look out watched and listened confounded while patty batch fluttered off to the cabin calling back that she would call john fairmeadow when tea was ready and that he mustn't come a minute before here's a pretty pass for a tale to come to which should have a happy ending john fairmeadow brooding in the failing light at the edge of the woods john fairmeadow downcast and self-accusing poor little thing thinks he she's frightened a mere hint of the thing has frightened her john fairmeadow pacing the patch of wild flowers in grave trouble called himself hard names had he not frightened and distressed the little soul that he loved so much why shouldn't he call himself hard names and what right had john fairmeadow sometime bowery drunkard and outcast to lift his eyes to this sweet blooming flower of the woods regeneration was all very well in its way but regeneration and new service could not wash a man's past away so that no stain remained upon his honour john fairmeadow had asked his god all about it of course being a man of that sort and his god had seemed to approve but fairmeadow was convinced now that patty batch had fled that he had mistaken the quiet voice in his own heart and fairmeadow was ashamed of himself he would say no more he would teach patty batch to forget that he had said anything at all and in this resolve he waited downcast brooding and ashamed for patty's call from the cabin and as for little patty in the meantime she was having much ado to get tea at all for the mist in her grey eyes blinded her and her hands would never do the thing she told them to do and she could find nothing at all in its place 
and the tears just would fall on the toast and everything positively everything was at sixes and sevens in her heart no less than in her kitchen patty batch you see who had long ago observed the crisis approaching had resolved and determined not to spoil john fairmeadow's life not even if the baby never had a father no by ginger thinks she i won't nothing but the dusk and starlight of spring could solve such a tangle as this a deuce of a job too of course dusk and starlight came together dusk and starlight of spring at the edge of the woods this was long after tea long after john fairmeadow in the merriest fashion in the world had partaken of toast and tears long after the baby had been put to bed too at a time indeed when the mystical powers of dusk and starlight had waxed large and mischievous john fairmeadow and patty batch sat on grey billy batch's porch together the still sweet dusk had fallen they looked out over the little clearing to the black pines and to the high starlit sky presently john fairmeadow began to tell patty batch of those other days days terrible in memory and patty batch came closer closer yet as the tale of many sorrows was unfolded her motherly little heart ached it was in her heart perhaps but to give comfort but however that may be and i am not informed she was presently drawn comfortingly close to john fairmeadow without knowing it at all she sighed sometimes she sobbed a little too and always while the tale went on she gave a loving sympathy to the teller john fairmeadow was unaware only the dusk and the starlight knew and the little stars winked happily at the sight of it all nothing was held back by john fairmeadow no bitterness of degradation no depth of sin was concealed and at the end of the wretched recital so had dusk and starlight and love worked upon them both little patty batch was snuggled close to john fairmeadow was held close too so that john fairmeadow had no difficulty whatsoever in softly kissing her upturned tear-stained face i love you dear said he i'm glad she whispered oh i'm so glad they looked away to the pines and stars beyond far beyond fairmeadow saw himself walking upright and at work in a world of men but not now going the path alone and it may be that patty batch too visioned in the far sky the glory of her future you and i dear said fairmeadow you and i jack always dear always they sat in this way for a long long time both dreaming both with eyes lifted to the stars each with a heart of joy but presently little patty batch jumped up as though bethinking herself of a forgotten duty jack she gasped i forgot to tell the baby roused from sound sleep the baby wailed dolorously it was a stout complaint well fairmeadow asked when patty batch got back he's glad too replied little patty batch well 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 all said and done the thing being told at last they go along very well at swamp's end love and labour as love and labour will unfailingly being genuinely joined together there is no doubting it at all they are placid companions of the soul givers of hope and wise counsellors they are true 
they do not fail they go along very well indeed at swamp's end but there is no mr patty batch at swamp's end notwithstanding all that occurred in the dusk at grey billy batch's lazy clearing on the edge of the big woods there is no mr patty batch believe me there is nothing but a mrs john fairmeadow a rosy dimpled twinkling-eyed shy appealing adorable little woman of astonishing capacity but only a little mrs john after all which indeed if the truth were known she had rather be than anything else in all the wide world there is john fairmeadow at swamp's end as well as mrs john fairmeadow big beloved john fairmeadow who still scolds and beseeches and marries and buries the boys and who still right lustily wields his broom of righteousness in those woods big john fairmeadow in the measure of his service and in the stature of his soul a man there is the little partner too lying at ease in the green field near by town still tenderly loved you may be sure and still inspiring and there is the baby of course there is the baby there is the adorable one satisfactorily fathered at last still with an unconquered and inexplicable predilection for lumberjacks as when on the christmas eve of his advent at swamp's end billy the beast poked a finger at his stout abdomen and excited nothing but a loud peal of laughter and there's something more than that at swamp's end there are two babies end of chapter thirty two end of the measure of a man by norman duncan